0: I definitely had, for the first time in my life, I had time to reflect on life and to ask myself massive questions like, wow, it's not my time yet. I haven't finished yet. This is wrong. Is this what happens when your life ends? You just get told this is the end of your life.
1: You're
2: listening to The Ticker Tapes, a podcast by the BHF. Hello and welcome back to The Ticker Tapes. This is the final part of our conversation with three amazing women who've been brought together today because they have one huge thing in common, which is that they all had heart attacks. Uh, we're in the rather lovely surrounds of Shompenhuis in Tring to hear their stories, um, what it was like to have a heart attack, what, it, what the aftermath brought with it, and this time we're concentrating on the, the mental fallout, the emotional impact and what effect it's had on their almost spiritual lives, I suppose, and the sort of philosophical approach to life and their, their perspectives as they, as they have now. So Zina, do you feel you've changed since your
1: experience and how? Uh, very much so. Um, I lost, uh, confidence. Uh, I lost who I was, my place in the world. Um, Uh, I constantly felt fear, although that's more under control now. I'm still fearful of an awful lot of things, which sounds terribly pathetic, but, you know, I'm working on that. And can
2: I just ask, were you a sort of fearful, nervous person before and it's exaggerated on or has it been a real new... Uh,
1: No, I take anybody on, you know. um, You know, uh, somebody once said to me, oh, you could argue with two stones yeah what color would I say I would say so um, (laughs) you know I I, but now it it, it, I felt almost like um, I'm in a cage looking out and trying to get out of that cage this sounds absolute bonkers Um, and I certainly felt uh, I felt that I'd lost everything I felt was life worth living? Could I live? Could I carry on? Um, which again, sounds pathetic as lots of people have had worse things happen. Um, but I, I have a personal mantra which says, I cannot change my past, but I can control my future. So I, tried, I have strived and tried to use all that energy to driving forward. Um, and, and certainly on the very bad days, I faced an abyss that was so black that I looked into it and it takes such an energy to pull yourself back from that abyss Mm. and those days are few and far between and I'm certainly a lot, a lot better than I was, but immediately it was, um, uh, I was in a bad place. And And do you call it depression or do you see it as something almost other
2: separate than that, a, a real sort of individual reaction to the experience?
1: I guess I suppose I was going through a depression, but I think it was different to that. I, I had um, a reactive dep- depression after my parents both died um, within three months of each other. So I know what that was like. This was just uh, different because it was all about me as opposed to something external. And mm. so I guess I internalised a lot, and, and the feeling of "come on, pull yourself together," you know, you've survived. So I was incredibly grateful to be alive, but there's still that. I, I can't, I can't put it into words. I can't articulate it well enough. There's, there's still that something holding me back. Um, so, so I, I, I certainly turned to um, my local church, and um, in in the village that I live in, just outside Newcastle-Fontaine, flying the flag here for the northerners. <laughs> um, and so, uh, and that was a great, great help. So, uh, I wanted to know about the meaning of life. Um, what's going to happen in the afterlife, the, all these, and, and random thoughts still pop into my head when I walk up the stairs every night to go to bed. I think, and this is not a conscious thought, but things come into my head like, is tonight the night I'm going to die in the middle of the night? Um, when I stay somewhere new, and uh, we, we stayed here last night, um, I leave the lights on because if I die in the middle of the night, I want to see where I'm going because I'm in a strange place. <laughs> this sounds bonkers. <laughs> and and I know. It perfect, perfect sense. <laughs> <so much. laughs> and it's, I know too, but these are just thoughts that pop into my head that I have no control over I push them out you know I I, really I don't walk around talking like this every day but um but But yeah that's the nature of intrusive thoughts is that they're absolutely beyond your control they pop in and
2: you learn eventually with help with therapy or or just by experience to push them out
1: but they are draining and and so physically you know you you look at me and I'm physically fit. I do my 30 minutes exercise minimum every day. I go to the gym, I walk. Um, I do want to just say,
2: actually, for the benefit of listeners who, who you know, may have all sorts of interest, that all these women look great. They look completely healthy. And although they have um, still physical problems, especially Carol, with your fatigue from your heart damage, but they are. They they look and are completely normal. I don't want you to get the impression that we're we're sort of sitting here with three any kind of invalided or invalid looking people after heart attacks. I just want to sort of
1: paint that picture, really. Um, so it's but but certainly the internal stuff, the, the thoughts. The um, and I, I genuinely think both patients and healthcare professionals underestimate the impact. That a heart attack has on our psychological, emotional, and social uh, well-being and health, and it, it cannot be overemphasized the impact that this this uh, these events have on individuals. And some people cope better than others, and some people get uh, better help. But th- th- I don't think the help is consistent, mm. and I don't think there's sufficient help out there and for me personally a big shout out to the British Heart Foundation who their helpline you know uh, has, has helped enormously as well so yeah I, I've, I've been into some dark places. Carol so you were brought up Christian a very active faith still did you
2: ever falter in that or did it help you throughout? It's helped me
3: an- enormously it's been an anchor really or the anchor in terms of my mental, spiritual well being in this situation. Because, as Gina pointed out, emotional well being is a huge part of having a heart attack. But that's been an anchor for me. And I think one of the things that, in fact, if I go back a bit with regards to my heart attack, my emotional pain started when I first encountered the health professionals. Because mm-hmm. as, as somebody who's been trained in the NHS, come up, do the year, the, the junior doctor's hours, it's kind of an unspoken thing that you sacrifice yourself in the name of patient well-being, and you you know you do it because it's the patient. They so come in early and you leave late and you do all the hours that you never get paid for and you do it because you're doing it for your patient and someday you'll become a well-trained doctor whether you're a consultant or a GP and it will be worth it so it's kind of unspoken that you made that sacrifice but for me I didn't expect to be sacrificed twice over if you like yeah. it kind of sounds you know and quite emotive to say that but that's how I felt I felt that when it was my time, if it ever came to be my time to be a patient, which I didn't I wasn't really expecting, because I never think it's gonna be you, that somebody would be doing that for you and that sacrifice would be made for you. But I felt I was sacrificed again. Yes. Possibly because I'm a healthcare professional and I, and I, I don't know if people felt, they didn't want me to challenge them or felt I was being I was challenging them by saying, "I'm having a heart attack." I have attack. diagnosed myself. I'm a doctor. I'm having I'm a doctor. so that that was where the pain started. Yeah. Especially when I knew what was happening and knew my heart was being damaged, and I couldn't even get to speak to a colleague. I asked several times for a doctor to come and explain to me what's happening, and they were too busy. And when the doctor came and you know basically said we've got X number of patients and you just have to wait your turn. It yes. was painful. Yeah. And so I have had to, that, that's that been a big part of what I've had to deal with, the emotive part. I feel, I, I find that I have dealt with the physical bit of being, having a heart attack much better than Because it's, it's easier to,
2: be, to sort of deal with a, a bolt from the blue that has no malevolence to it. It's just the luck of the draw. Yeah. But to be that kind of, there's almost a personal betrayal is always yes. much harder to get
3: over, with, yes. which is what you really experience yes. when and rejection. people don't like take not, you yeah. seriously. Yeah, so that's been something that I've had to really mm. deal with. And again, as a Christian, I'm meant to forgive. Mm. And, and I have to deal with that. And I'm doing that and I've gone a long way, you know, in doing that. But that's been one of the biggest battles yeah. that I've had to... I think we shouldn't okay.
2: forget, for, especially if, uh, if listeners, are, this is the, the only episode or the first episode they're listening to. Um, all our three women, Esther, Carol and Zina, all had their artist you know, So relatively recently, and Carol's was only last year and the others were, were 2017. So they're still really in the, the throes of, mm-hmm. of that longer-term recovery. Um, yeah. Esther, did you have any kind of religious faith to fall back on? Did you find yourself becoming more spiritual, less spiritual, what kind of impact did it have on you?
0: I'm not really a a religious person, so I didn't have any faith as such, but I definitely had, for the first time in my life, I had time to reflect on life and to ask myself massive questions like, wow, it's not my time yet. I know it's not my time yet. No, I haven't finished. I haven't finished yet. This is wrong. Is this what happens when your life ends? You just get told this is the end of your life? No, no, I haven't. No, I haven't finished yet. So, I was kind of maybe semi in denial, but also just I just knew, and I felt in my bones, and I just felt this was not my time. And and then I thought, well, if it's not my time, seriously, you've got a what? Have you, what do you want to do then? What do you mean you haven't finished? Haven't finished what? So maybe that's where my drive for having to kind of you know, write the book, plant a tree, you know, enjoy life more. Maybe that's where my kind of drive for making a success of my business has come from as well. But going back to what Zena said about depression or feeling dark, all the people I know that have had heart attacks and a few of my cl- very close friends have had, uh, had heart issues in the last couple of years, every single person I've spoken to has said they felt incredibly anxious and then quite depressed for a period of time. I've got to say, the depression, I don't know whether to call it depression or mental instability, or just, I had no idea that that was going to be a side effect. So when they said, Oh, yeah, after your stent, you should be up and running in a week. (laughs) No, I literally thought, well, physically, up and running in a week. Um, But mentally, I felt really bad. I felt awful. And I felt kind of
2: I shouldn't feel this bad. Like, why do I feel this bad? You know, you get into that funny place that I was meant to say this when you were talking as well. Saying that you feel you feel bad, and also you feel bad about feeling bad. Yeah. yeah.
0: You, know, so was, I, you know, I've got I've got a couple of kids. Yeah. I've I've got a business to run. I'm speaking at events. I'm speaking about confidence. I'm helping senior executives do their speeches and help them with their confidence. And I felt a bit of a fraud because I thought I really don't feel that confident anymore. So if there's any sort of form of religion, you know, when you're, when you're doing yoga, you kind of centre yourself. I felt totally off centre. I didn't feel as if I had my grounding. I felt as if the ground had been pulled up from under my feet and I felt really unsure of myself. And I just had this overwhelming urge to speak to a cardiologist on a daily basis. <laughs> I just wanted to speak to anyone just to say, do you think I might have a heart attack? Do you think I might die? And I actually remember speaking to somebody from the British Heart Foundation saying, what are the chances that I'm going to die? Mm-hmm. You know, could I die next week? What if I drop down dead? What, do you think I will? You know, and, and I, because my father had died in 1977 when I was five. And I suppose I was almost reliving some of those feelings of... In 1977, I'm one of six children. My world fell apart for quite a long time. It had massive repercussions. Because my dad just dropped down dead... With no, um, with no symptoms, with, there, was, there was no warning. And he was a fit man and he left a whole family behind. And the weird thing was is that my daughter and my son, my son was only seven, it just felt very similar. And I thought, Am I gonna, is it gonna be history repeating itself? And I, I really had some dark moments
2: and, and I didn't know how to handle them and who to talk to. And was there any support out there? Because I know Zina was saying that you know, it's a, again, we've heard this phrase before, but postcode lottery of what's available. Um, were you able to, were you offered any support? And were, or if not, were you able to access it anyway?
0: Well, all of the support is very, very tangible, like the cardio rehab. That's about going to the gym and getting your heart rate up um, and testing your, your, your physical being. I don't think people necessarily talk about some kind of support group, um, and the British Heart Foundation are the best place to go because they will help, and there is there are there are um, helplines and things, and they would they would always put you onto somebody, but they're more likely to put you onto an expert than a support group. I mean, maybe that's something we should think about setting up you know it's just somewhere you can chat some kind of some kind of um and maybe there is an environment now where you can meet people online or or go somewhere to chat but but i think telling stories like this this podcast is really important isn't it just so because you're not alone Zena. Mm-hmm. you're not alone yes. all the people i've spoken to said you know and almost in hushed tones as if don't tell my family they don't understand but i just sat up at night looking out the window anxious my my a very good friend of mine who's in the US she said i just lost my mind i just for months i couldn't operate i just lost myself i just didn't know what to do
3: i i think it's important that we understand that almost everybody who's had such major life events will have symptoms of anxiety and low mood it's natural because For me, if I had indigestion symptoms in the past, I don't even notice it. I know I have the sensation, but in a second it's gone. No, I think twice. And like you said, is it gonna happen again? The fact that you've had a heart attack means that you're more likely to have another one. So it's a reality of life that naturally makes you anxious. It naturally makes you force your mortality am I going to die? Or like you said, I felt the same way. It's not my time yet. So it's not my time. What am I going to do with this opportunity that I've got to do? So what I'm saying, you naturally get anxious. You naturally feel low because suddenly this thing has happened to you, whether you call it your body has betrayed you or out of the blue for me, this thing has happened. I've done everything that I know to do in terms of lifestyle things. And yet this thing- Did you particularly have
2: a a feeling of, this is so unfair. Yes, you I, had, with
3: that I had that feeling, but I also had the feeling again going back to my Christian beliefs that God knows why He's allowed this to happen to me. And I talk about that in my book. It's about the you don't get the glitter in the gold or the silver until it's gone through the fire. So I see it that kind of way. It's like something that I had to go through to bring out the best in me, to take me to my next level sort of thing. So I saw it as that. But what I'm saying is if these symptoms persist and pervade, that's when you need to become um, concerned yeah. and seek professional help. they sort help. of take on a life of their because, own and because, because become crippling. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. it, it will happen, but after a while it should start going and you should yeah. start dealing with it. But if it's persisting and pervading, that's when people really need to get professional help and realise that this is not just natural anxiety, but I'm becoming anxious as a pathology or I'm becoming depressed properly rather yeah. than having low mood as a reaction yeah, a to what has happened. Yeah. 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 There's yeah. a difference between yeah.
2: Natural and you know, almost cathartic yeah. response of the of the body of and the, the mind body. to it becoming pathological, pathological yeah. life of its own. Yeah, yeah. Zena, did you struggle with the a sense of unfairness or
1: injustice? Um, interestingly, no, I didn't. Um, I, I, I do have this mantra: I cannot change my pasts, but I can control my future, and that really helped. I don't. Uh, it's strange that I have invasive thoughts about. Dying and things like that, but I, I never once do I think, oh, why me? What and if I had, if only I'd done, right. what if? Um, because it's wasted energy. Because we cannot turn back time, and so that is so wasted. So I, I use my energy as much as possible to just keep driving forward, and um it is what it is. I -hmm. I can't change any of it. So there's no point me even even thinking about that. But uh, like Carol, I I, I don't have the same depth of faith as Carol, but I actually uh, do have a faith. And I believe that God or the universe actually chooses me to go through these things because they know I can cope Mm -hmm. (laughs) and that sounds weird and that's my, I guess that's my way of coping and I I think, (laughs) you know, I, and and certainly this, this last episode with this broken, dislocated wrist, oh gosh, yet another thing, but that's fine, yeah, move forward Zena, it'll get better eventually and you'll be able to use it. Um, So yeah, I'm I'm chosen for a reason because uh, having said that, you know, I've had, dark days and things, I've still pushed through and pushed through and pushed through. Um, so, yeah. So yeah. you've got the same sort of sense of yeah. being forged in the fires.
3: Yeah,
1: yeah I'm not, yeah. not not as eloquent as that, but I do. <laughs> um, I think it makes, it, 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 it's made me stronger in some respects. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah.
3: And unfortunately, the the support is not mainstream. It's it's quite patchy in yeah.
1: the sense yeah. that NHS it, it, it depends on, yeah, on support, where you yeah. are.
3: And but at one point I did think perhaps if I was asked, I would actually like to sit and talk with a psychologist. Just to talk things through like we're doing today is brilliant. Mm, you know, yeah. just talk something. You just want to get things out. I wouldn't say that I have been depressed. I have had low moods. God, I've had low moods. <laughs> Me too. You know, I've had low points, but I've not been depressed. And I've felt anxious because, like I said, if previously if I had a little bit of indigestion, I'm walking and I felt, no, I think twice. Okay, let's pay attention to that. What's Exactly. That an- anxiety it? is a is a it's, is a good tool. Really. Yeah. You know, that's yeah. Probably why sometimes. we have yeah an amount of it. It's, yeah. It's very useful. So we, it does yeah. keep you alert. But. Yeah so so it's not been pathological but there it has there have been really low times and i could have and even i had a a difficult point sorry no, with um just simple things like when i wanted i returned to work after 6 weeks and i needed fit note to say that i'm back at work and you know that was a struggle to get it from my gp don't ask me why i don't know mm-hmm. it took them 3 goes to get me the the proper fit note initially they wrote that I'm still sick I'm not I'm not fit for work when I'd been back at work for god knows how long and three attempts to get it right and that I thought was an unnecessary fight that yeah. I had to I just There's want all to go back fights, to work yeah. and just get on with it and all and I said I wrote in a letter that I wrote to them and I said to them I didn't fight for my physical cardiac health at the time when I had a heart attack. This time I'm fighting for my mental health. And you think that that would trigger something in yeah. one in a, you know? Nobody, nobody said to me, how is your mental health? Even mm-hmm. so,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. And I think so it's, it's worth just, definitely you know, marking that down as something that could be improved across the board when it comes to heart yeah. attack victims. Yeah. is it how it affects your mood, your yeah. your mental health, your outlook on life. And it's taken me a couple of years, but I've got to say now, so this year I have, I really do feel as if I've got my mojo back. I feel as if I've bounced back. Mm-hmm. And I am enjoying life. I'm enjoying my job. I don't feel like a heart attack victim. and But then sometimes I just want to remind myself, why did I bounce back? And it's because Possibly it was the low point when you're when you're really low and you think it's not my time yet. Mm. So what are you going to do? You know, so do stuff then. Yeah. So what yeah. are you going to do? <laughs> you know, what is is it worth getting annoyed about these ridiculous things? Is it worth worrying about Brexit? <laughs>
1: <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I mean, what what what, what do you want to do in life then? You know, what do you want to do?
3: Well, fully you should say that, because yeah. I certainly wouldn't worry about Brexit for well, the reason. <laughs> However, the other day I did think seriously to myself, Carol, do you need to get some extra medications?
1: Yeah. <laughs> I did oh, I've already
3: myself. done that. I had just not thought about it. But I have asked myself that question, and I, I haven't actively done anything about it, but it's a serious thing, mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know. Because I need to take all these medications. I <laughs> really don't. See? No, but I think the, the, the flip side of the mental health issue is now that I am more aware of putting myself under what I call stress and I try and avoid stressful situations, certain things I'll point out and I'll say it in the family situation and it's then turned back on me and, oh, you're being Self indulgent, not self indulgent. No, is your it, it's always I'm, almost as if I'm being questioned, are you okay mentally? Right. Because previously, probably I wasn't so intense about not being under stress, and now I'm saying, don't do right. that, that's stressing me out. It's now, it's now being turned the other way as maybe you're not okay mentally. I know I am. And I'm just trying to protect myself. Yeah. Yeah. But it could almost be used as kind of a weapon. Yeah. Sure. It's another it's adjustment, it's isn't it? Everyone has yeah. to then recalibrate yeah. themselves yeah. around. Yeah.
0: yeah. And the main change yeah. for me is my decision-making now is, my, this is how my decision-making goes, what will make life less stressful? Yeah. yeah. That's Absolutely. So, you know, where do we yeah. go on holiday? What do yeah. we want to do? The shopping, whatever. Yeah. What will make my life less stressful? Yeah. And actually slowing mm-hmm. down and calming down and not working isn't the answer for me. No, because yeah. I like to be active I like and I like to, active. like to have a purpose. Yeah, But making my life less stressful, whether it's yoga or extra time, that's
2: that's how I've changed. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So as this is the last part of our chat, I thought we'd end with a quick fire round. I haven't warned you about this, so... <laughs> <laughs> Fastest This fast. will bring... <laughs> Us back to um, sort of what, everything we've covered. I think over the the three episodes. So I'm going to give you a sentence, and you're to complete it with sort of the first thought, brief thought that comes into your head. So um, this is quite stressful. <laughs> <laughs> suddenly stressful, you know.
1: Um,
2: so everybody relax. Yeah. And Xena. Mm-hmm. before
1: I had my heart attack, I never knew. The emotional impact that it would have on me. I never thought that was possible. Carol, before
2: I had my heart attack, I never knew it would happen to me. Brilliant. Um, Esther, before I had my heart attack, I never knew it wouldn't feel as if I'm having a heart attack. (laughs) (laughs) Good point. (laughs) All right. Question number two or sentence number two. The things they don't tell you when you've had a heart attack. What a crock
3: of shit it is.
2: <laughs> you know, they there speaking from the heart.
3: <laughs> Carol. The, Im- the impact on your family life. Uh-huh. Esther, the thing they don't tell you when you've had a heart attack.
2: You've had a heart attack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. another yeah. one
0: would be, you have to take these, medica- you, ha- you have to take medication for the rest of your life. The rest of your life is now completely different.
2: Right. What would be your one key piece of advice for a woman who's had a heart attack? Keep
1: questioning. Don't take no for an answer. Just because a test comes back negative, all that means is the test is negative. It doesn't mean there's nothing wrong. Brilliant similar to hers for me it's
3: be insistent in the most polite way because we the NHS is precious and the staff are really stretched but don't give up insist it's your body you know when something has changed and if you're convinced that something has changed be insistent Good. In- yeah. mm-hmm. speak to the right people so the British Heart Foundation, for
0: example, they have nurses, cardiologists, people that understand what is going on
2: and know other cases. Brilliant. Penultimate
1: question, what will you take away from today? Oh. Friendship and a sense of belonging. This is like very
3: cathartic. It's just such an awesome opportunity to just talk with people who shared your understand. experience and understand and just say it like it is. <laughs> Esther,
0: what's the one thing you'll take away from today? Two amazing new friends with big hearts. <laughs> <laughs> yes. in, a, in a nutshell, don't forget to live and enjoy your life while you've got it. Mm.
2: I think on that note, um, That was the final part of our final conversation with these incredible women who have all been through an extraordinary experience and have been kind enough and articulate enough to share it with us. And and for that, I really, really thank you. Um, It's been amazing for me. And I know the BHF is incredibly grateful to you as well. So thank you. Thank you. Please, listeners, find us on your feed and have a listen to all the rest of it if you if you haven't yet. And we also have a bonus episode for you, which is available to download. Uh, it's a recording of the panel event that I was lucky enough to take part in a few months ago at um, with the BHF. And you'll hear in more detail from researchers and, and cardiologists, as well as with uh, other BHF ambassadors, including the Duchess of York, about the inequalities women are facing when it comes to heart attacks. And that will inform you um, even further about what goes on. So please do take a listen. Um, as I say, I found this just incredibly interesting, informative. It's been an absolute honour and a privilege to listen to you all, and I'd like to thank Esther, Zena, and Carol for being so open, uh, especially Zena, uh, <laughs> sharing <laughs> such intimate details of your lives. Uh, I'm Lucy Mangan, Thank you for listening. Thank you again, you three, for joining thank you, me. Lucy. Thank, you. And thank you, Lucy. Thank you. Until hopefully next time, at some point.
1: Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for listening
0: to The Ticker Tapes. If you would like any more information about the BHF's campaign and the heart attack gender gap, or if you want to know the signs, symptoms and risk factors to be aware of, then please visit bhf.org.uk
1: forward slash women.